dude, I don't want to do this. When that shot went in, it felt like everything just crashed on me. Purpose was gone. Hope was gone. Love was gone. Life was pointless. <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs> it's just a game. Georgetown basketball okay. is not a game. All right. All right. I mean, it's tough. That was, that was, hey, we were just talking about how spot on our predictions were. At least your prediction of a blowout wasn't right. <laughs> well, I did. At some point, I think I texted you. I said, if we lose, it's going to be a heartbreaker. And I was right about that. Well, we do know one thing, Carter. No team has the methodology of raising their fans' hopes up in the first half and then absolutely crushing them in the most devastatingly painful way possible than Georgetown. Mm. So, you know, props to them in that. They're really good at it. <laughs> I don't, to be honest, I, I, I kind of want to avoid the, the shitting on Georgetown theme to this podcast. I mean, we'll shit on cues all we want, but mm-hmm. I'm... I'm Obviously disappointed, but I'm, I wouldn't even say content, but I'm not mad at how we played. I don't think you can be mad considering we were 12 and a half point underdogs going yeah. into, arguably, you could make the argument that the Carrier Dome is a top 10 most hostile arena I was to certain. play in. Yeah, and it was packed too, right? You were they there. had the, um, yeah, I was there, I was broadcasting the game for the Hoya. Weird flex, but okay. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they, uh... One thing you have to do, I actually gave credit to the Syracuse fans. Um, they really showed up. I think 24,082 fans were there, which is the highest so far in the college basketball season. And like 24,000 more than show up to our game. <laughs> I would agree with that, yeah. And they all got... The one thing that was astounding, though, was the little school student body population versus the older population of the game. What I'm trying to say is there were a lot of older people there. Yeah. Not like, you know, the elderly, but people who had graduated from college, adults. Yeah. It almost felt like a professional sporting league event. Damn. I mean, it makes sense, though, because they, they probably watched Georgetown and Q's when they were kids 30 years ago. Not only that, but... So a good friend of ours, he is from the area... He said that when you grow up around Syracuse, Syracuse is your professional sporting team. Everybody has tickets to football, to basketball, and we were broadca- when we were broadcasting the game, he I think there was about at least seven different people came up and started talking to him just randomly. So it was it, it almost felt like a high school football game down in Texas, but a yeah, basketball game yeah. up in upstate New York. Well, that's all they got up there. Yeah, Makes exactly. Sense. So they showed up. Thankfully, you know we have, uh, we have the caps. We caps both got, baby. yeah, we both got pictures with the Stanley Cup yesterday. Lord Stanley, huge shout awesome. out to uh, Mr. Ted Leontis for bringing it here, letting us uh, rub one out for good luck before whoa, finals. <laughs> whoa, whoa! All right, it's your turn to say something problematic. I like it. <laughs> there was someone in front of me, this like really kind of flamboyant kid. He asked if he could wear Ted's ring. Like the fucking huge, whatever carrot gold ring it is. And he let him. Really? And he was like posing with it, all basic and stuff. It was, 
I kind of wanted to slap him, but it was, <laughs> it was funny. Well, Bill's kid, um, Michael Perry, he asked him if he could kiss the cup, and he let him. Damn. Yeah, so he has a picture I of I feel like, yeah, cup. I mean, when he's probably made so much money from that. Oh, like, he could give know. a shit about anything. <laughs> yeah. You know Ted's just like, hey, it's my cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, Do whatever you want with it. As long as you don't steal it, like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it was a great time, but... Um, back to the game. Yeah, back to uh, DC's Take 5. So our last podcast, we kind of worked to break down how to beat Syracuse, and a lot of wild things happened in this game, but unfortunately Georgetown couldn't come away with a win as they went down in a devastatingly heartbreaking fashion, 72-71, courtesy of a brutally sexy, honestly, Tyus Battle game-winning shot. It was wet as fuck. Mm. Um, So we're going to break, this podcast is primarily going to be dedicated to breaking down that loss, what it means for Georgetown moving forward, and how our expectations should be looking forward to closing out non-conference schedule, but also opening up Big East conference schedule, because this is the last podcast we're going to be doing before Christmas break, Um, and yeah. Let's get to it, dude. Yeah, let's absolutely do it. Neither one of us sang at that time. No, we're a little less happy now. (laughs) I'd also like to take, you know, a brief moment of silence for those who, unfortunate souls who bet on Georgetown to win the game. Yeah, I wonder if I knew anyone uh, who did that. (laughs) Yours truly did, unfortunately. You know, it was your thoughts and prayers. It it was crazy because I was, um, we were doing some game prep the morning of for the broadcast. And you know, I was obligated to check the line. Um, <laughs> and the line that I had bet on was ten and a half Syracuse. So I thought that was easy money. So I threw thirty bucks on that to win around like thirty four. Um, but the the better line was, and only crazy people would do this. But you know, optimism, excitement, feeling good about Georgetown. I threw twenty five on the money line, and the money line was about plus 480 for Georgetown. So I would have... I also had money on Army to cover. I, I forgot about that. So like, if all three had worked out, I would have won about 180 bucks. And unfortunately, the money line, for those of you who don't know, if you bet on Georgetown money line, that means they actually... You always lose. <laughs> you always lose. <laughs> Especially when they're away against Syracuse. Uh, yeah, but the team has to win. So, uh, yeah, so I ended up losing that by one point, but Georgetown did cover and Army covered, so I, I ended up winning like thirty four bucks on the day or something. But it wasn't one hundred and eighty, and it absolutely crushed me. Prime example of fiscal responsibility, kids. Yeah, learn from me. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's get into the game a little bit, Carter. Um, right. The first half was some of the ugliest basketball I had ever watched from a. From like a pure, from like a purity of the game perspective, yeah, like an aesthetics. Yeah, it wasn't enjoyable basketball, but goddamn right, if you're a Georgetown fan, I walked out of, I walked into the bathroom, 
They go to the bathroom, get some coffee, get some water. I was feeling fucking good. Yeah. We were up 22 to 35. Yep. Um, Mac McClung had scored, I want to say, 16 first yeah. half points. He was one of the kids who we actually thought was really going to struggle against mm-hmm. the 2-3 zone, but he was really working to get out and transition and create some opportunities for himself. And he had a couple of big threes in the first half. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, one of the things we talked about on the last episode was the need to push the ball before the zone gets set up. And we saw Mac really do a good job of that mm-hmm. because um, I think it was the second three that he hit. Because the first one was just, I think, the first play of the game. It was, yeah. Um, but the second one he hit was after um, our favorite player, uh, Marek Dolazaj, got a tip in off of Jesse, over Jesse, I should say. And then Mac just ran down the floor and pulled him from three. We're like, what the fuck are you doing? But he made it. Um, and I think overall he played really well. Um, obviously, didn't play you know a crazy amount of minutes. I, I thought he was on his way to like a signature performance where he drops you know twenty five or. 30. I feel like you always think that. I always have. <laughs> I mean, but this had like come on, you got to admit the past few games he's really shown a lot of signs as like a scorer. Oh, and he has. He's definitely validated my take at least for now that he'll have more points than James by the time everything is done. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. His averages were in the toilet, especially once the second half came. He only shot 6 of 16, and um, from 3, he only shot 3 of 11, which that definitely, the second half didn't help, since he started putting up a lot, couple of, uh, yeah. I would say I would say unorthodox, but... A couple uh, of UFOs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Clyde Frazier calls him. Shout out to Clyde. Oh, that Nick Cav game, man. Yeah. I thought of you. Let's not... <laughs> It's rough, man. It's another one for the tank. Yeah, but I think the the main other first half story from the game was Georgetown's defense. Mm-hmm. The Syracuse only had two players players uh, reach five points in the first half. Both of them were O'Shea Brissett and Tyus Battle. Mm-hmm. They were Syracuse's leading scorers at the intermission. Five points. Tyus Battle was one of eight from the field, and. He looked like a shell of him of his former self. He looked like the battle that played against Northeastern, but we're not Northeastern, so they were down thirteen. Yeah, yeah, I was very impressed with Jamarco's defense on him. Mm-hmm. You know that won't show up in the the box score, especially because every article now is going to be about you know how he hit the game winning shot and had a great game overall. But he played like I mean the whole team played like shit. Oh, they were and awful. What was the thing that you said? Um, Beheim said to them at halftime. So they asked Tyus, and Tyus, Tyus said, oh, I'm not allowed to say that. <laughs> and uh, it, it got leaked, actually. And apparently Beheim went up to battle at halftime and just said, if you were going to play this fucking bad, you shouldn't have come back to Syracuse cause, because you don't deserve a roster spot. Could you imagine Damn. your head coach telling you, you're the star of this team, that at halftime? And arguably one of your biggest non-conference games moving forward, considering they had two losses, and this was an absolute must-win for Syracuse. Yeah, I, that's wow, that very risky by Bayhan. And then I'm and sure they he, didn't have the medal to come out and answer with twenty-one yeah, points. Yeah, I I I hate Tyus Battle, but I I respect his mentality, man. Yeah, he's got some he's got some Kobe in him. Yeah, honestly. that's what that last shot reminded me of. I, and not only that, Carter, but. He single-handedly willed Syracuse back in that game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who else 
was really going to do it for him. No one. We kept everyone else in check, to be honest. And I think Josh deserves some uh, props from us because the job that he did on O'Shea Brissett, for mm. the most part, was wonderful. Really good. O'Shea got most of his points when Trey was in the game mm-hmm. on him because Trey doesn't have the foot speed or the athleticism to stay with a dynamic player like O'Shea Brissett. Yeah. So Josh really neutralized him in every facet of the game whenever mm-hmm. he was in. Yeah. It was really a combination of Elijah Hughes and Tyus Battle, which sunk us in the second half. Yeah, it was it was tough because Battle kind of he started the rally and ended the rally, but there was a point in the middle where he honestly looked kind of tired. He was missing shots off. and stuff. I mean, he played thirty nine minutes. Like that's that's a fuck ton. Um, and I think that it was just like those few plays where we let you know Jalen Carey hit a three on what looked like an offensive foul. And then Eliza Hughes got hot. I mean, that's that's 12 points there out of 72. That's like a sixth of their points just in a spurt from role players. Yeah. And I mean, and even fucking Chukwu had eight points. Like, what? And he, yeah. and do you see him swish both of his free throws? I know. The career, like, 37% shooter? He's actually really improved on those. I actually oh, really? mentioned in the uh, broadcast that I don't know if you remember, but Syracuse had a playing game for the tournament last year. Yeah, at TCU, right? No, they played TCU first round. Oh, they oh. played ASU, Arizona State. Oh, okay. And Chukwu got fouled intentionally down the stretch, and it was a one-point game or a two-point game. Went up and nailed both. Wow. Nothing but nylon. Yeah, actually, he's up to 65% now, so I'll, I'll hold this out. Yeah, so um, he's actually improved a lot on that, but Chukwu is someone who... It won't show up in the box, uh, the box score, but he played a hell of a defensive game. Mm-hmm. He did a really good job of working to make sure that Jesse Govan wasn't a consistent part of the offense, especially in the first half of the game. Yeah, because Jesse wasn't a huge part of the Georgetown offense. I would say within the first. 12 to 13 minutes of this mm-hmm. game. He really wasn't being featured. And then Chukwu came out and Dolajai was on defense. And Dolajai, he's a good player, scrappy player, but he's not six foot ten, two fifty. Yeah, well, the old gym rat. <laughs> um, yeah. So Je- Jesse began to pick his spots a little bit more and dominate more down low. Yeah. So I remember my broadcasting partner said when he thought that Chukwu fouled out, he thought it was over. Because he mm. thought Govan was going to take over down the stretch, which he did in a weird way, yeah. um, hitting that huge three with sixty seconds left. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think Chukwu's impact on the game can't really be a. A lot of people don't understand it, but he yeah. did impact it in a way that only he could have for that Syracuse <laughs> team. Yeah, that that's actually a really accurate way to describe it. I do want to talk about um, Coach Ewing. Mm-hmm. So. I'm trying to figure out the right way to phrase this. I think Coach Ewing was this close, literally a fingernail away from getting a humongous win. Not just like, obviously the Illinois win was great. It was the yeah. best win of his career. But, and like, obviously this would have been two, but Coach Ewing showed some serious pregame strategy and in-coaching adjustment. Yeah. in this game. And I want to start out with the first half. We spoke a lot about how 
if you were going to go with a traditional matchup, especially in man, the way that you have to do at Georgetown, if you're going to play with your starting five, how Mac would have been lined up against um, Tyus Battle. Yeah. Ewing noticed that. And so he switched Jamarco onto Tyus. And Jamarco played pretty well for the most of the first half, keeping him at bay. And we got to the line a little bit. And Mac played against Elijah Hughes for most of the first half. Mm-hmm. And while Hughes, he's six foot eight. Excuse me, no, six foot six. No, I was gonna say he's six foot six, yeah. And Mac's only six two. Mac had the quickness to really keep him from gaining any space at all on the outside. Mm-hmm. To, uh, because he started off the game one of four from out from the outside. Mac was really in his grill twenty four seven, and Hughes couldn't get any open looks. Yeah, Hughes only started getting open looks when the Hoyas started double teaming Battle right out of the gate in the second half. Mm-hmm. Battle started getting hot. I was yeah I. God, it's just annoying looking at the box score again. It's I think I I was I was impressed though with. How Ewing handled the lineups, and he—I mean—a million percent took this personally too. Mm-hmm. I think that a, th- a theme, almost a narrative of his whole coaching career, is that he's still a little underappreciated and hasn't gotten the like highest level of validation or respect yet. I think that's, you know, part of the reason he didn't really get an NBA job after 13 years as an assistant. And as much as he wants to bring the Georgetown program back, he also wants to show that he can like build a team and grow a team and then win with a team. And this, I think, would have been such a, uh, like, such a staple for him, and like a big, almost kind of fuck you. I was about to, to say Bayheim. it would have been a big fuck you, yeah, man. Like to Bayheim, to all of his doubters, um, you know, to the fact that he could rebuild a program, um, the rebuild on the back the program, of like yeah. freshmen and Jesse, who he has, I won't say single handedly, but he has greatly, greatly aided the development of. I'd say single-handedly. Really? Oh, yeah, I would. Jesse's always flashed, especially, I'd argue, within his sophomore campaign. He had the occasional humongous game when we look at and say, wow, look at what this kid can do. Mm-hmm. But it never materialized into anything consistent. Coach Ewing comes, and you, I guess you could argue that it's also part of the maturation process of yeah. Jesse. But having someone who understands how to play the game the way that Coach Ewing does, mm-hmm. the fact that he did, the fact that he's arguably one of the best big men in NBA history, yeah, top, in college top history. 10, top 10 for sure. Without doubt. Um, it, you can't overstate how big of an impact that must have had on Jesse's development yeah. and mentality. Yeah. To have someone coach you and who's always on his back saying, you have the potential to be a top five big man, not only in the Big East, not on the East Coast, in the nation. I'm, I'm seriously, I'm very close to giving him top five. Oh, like I am. Like, I think look he at, is. Like, look at this line. 22 points, 12 rebounds on 50% shooting, two of three from three, hit both his free throws, four assists, one turnover, a steal and a block. The, the four assists, in my opinion... Is yeah, one of the, the most impressive. I don't even know where that came from. Oh, he—he he is one of. Uh, we've stated this numerous times. Jesse is one of the smartest basketball players working out of the double team. Yeah. His vision is impeccable, and his feel for his where his teammates are on the court has greatly increased yeah. as as his time at Georgetown yeah. has gone on. Yeah, I think 
it's you if you have a good post player on your team, they got to be able to pass out of it. And Jesse's good at that. I'm trying to re- like rewind the assists in my mind, and one was off the cut to Josh. Mm-hmm. Remember that? I'm sure he probably passed out to some threes at some point. He had um he had a couple of really nice uh, rapport plays with Jagan. Oh yeah, they had like some give and goes. Yes, on from the baseline. That's how Jagan got a lot of his assists because Jesse finished every single one of them naturally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they showed some really nice chemistry. And that's what Jagan can do. Jagan's not going to create anything off the dribble, but he's a smart player and he's always trying to make the right play. And his turnovers, minus the very last one, which we'll get into in a little bit, they were trying to get the ball into the right spot on the court given the situation. It's just that Syracuse is a long team and they're going to generate turnovers. It's just how they play. Honestly, I thought that we were going to turn the ball over more than we did. We turned the ball over Mm -hmm. 15 times. A third of that came from James. He had five. Three of them came from Jamarco, and four came from Jacob. Yeah, I think, well, it was also, again, like we predicted, there was a flurry of turnovers at the beginning. Yeah. But Syracuse didn't capitalize on them. So it was nice because it gave us the chance to adjust without really being penalized for it. And that was and a I, huge. I remember seeing something. Sorry, but I, I remember seeing something on the broadcast that, like, after the first Syracuse didn't force a turnover for like eight minutes after the really? first after the first five. Yeah, wow. so there was just a stretch of just missed shots, <laughs> which yeah, I'll take over turnovers. That's a staple of the Georgetown offense. <laughs> it's a real old school game. Yeah. One player I do want to touch on is James Akinjo. I think this might have been his worst game in a blue and gray uniform. Oh, bar none. Yeah. He just... He sucked. (laughs) I feel bad for the kid. No, we could be objective. We know we both love James. He sucked. He he was brutal. You could just tell. The zone. He couldn't do anything. We talked about it, and, like, I forget. This this might have been what I brought up on the last podcast, but, like, you see now the difference between 6 foot and 6'2". Yeah. Right? I mean, we, we were both concerned for Mac and James about their ability to get past the long defenders. And Mac honestly did it more easily than I thought he would. Even, like, getting into the lane and stuff. Yeah. He's good at it. He was good at it. And he James, had good recognition throughout the game, too, of, like, opportunities, when to take it. To get when to, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, he's come a long way with that. And James just, like, man, it was just too – it was tough for him. It was hard. And he couldn't even shoot over the top. His two makes were, like, these in-rhythm – kind of defense is sagging back in transition. He just yes. pulls up from mid-range. He had a nice little uh, floater. Oh, yeah. Near the, the end break. of the first half on the break. But one thing that James t- seemed to resort to early on, I think there was a recognition by him that he couldn't get the ball into the zone. So what he tried to do in lieu of that was use his quickness and his dribbling ability to kind of slip past two of the members and it just wasn't working when you do that and the zone kind of collapses on you no matter how good of a ball handler you are you're going to be dealing with five arms and hands coming after the ball odds are you're going to lose it and he did every time there were so many times where even when he got by someone he would just his head would be down yeah because you have to be your hands have to be moving at the speed of light. Of like Curly Neal or something, you know, from the, <laughs> the Globetrotters. But 
Yeah, and then he would just he would just like fall down. Almost all of his turnovers, he just fell down. Yeah, like they weren't even bad passes. He just like dribbled into traffic, and I mean that was it was tough to watch. Honestly, it, it was because I I mean I thought this would be a game where he didn't play well, but like had a very key play. You know, because yeah. he's done that in the past, even when he hasn't played well. Yeah, look but, at the Illinois game. He didn't play astoundingly well for most of the game. Suffered yeah. from from turnovers. Kid showed up. Yeah. Same with USF. Uh, yeah. Especially USF because Illinois, he still he still shot like sixty percent from the field. Yeah. But yeah, the U, the USF game was just it was a shit game. Mm-hmm. He was awful. And then comes down, has our last five points. So I I was disappointed, but it's not like I don't think this changes either of our opinions of him as a player. No, it, it just it just reveals his limitations. Yeah, and, and I like think you're not. It'll provide us some motivation moving forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, At yeah, least you hope will. it does. Oh yeah, especially it will with James. I mean, he's he's gonna internalize. He'll probably watch film mm-hmm. of himself and just. You know, and you know, be Coach Ewan is gonna be on his back. Yeah, yeah, I think so. We definitely see he's not afraid to change things up. I mean, which which will which is a very very smooth segue into the lineup that you know helped us stay with Syracuse because after that first you know blitz of points to begin the second half. It was about 15 minutes left, and we were tied. And I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be awful, just from both perspectives. <laughs> I remember calling the game, and we briefly mentioned this before the podcast. As soon as you saw Tyus Battle's first three-pointer of the uh, afternoon, yeah. just go straight through the net. Yeah. It was just a – you could hear Georgetown Nation just go, Shit. <laughs> yeah. And they were right. Battle came out like a man possessed. Yeah. I mean I'm not I'm not disagreeing. He was amazing. It, it was ridiculous. And, and it was kind of the whole team too. I mean, because he, he was a one man offense, but on defense, they were just they were swarming so much more energy. Mm-hmm. Like the stuff that was working in the first half really wasn't working in the second to begin the second half at yeah. least. Like like they they looked a part of a top twenty five team like we mentioned last po- uh, broadcast or podcast. They're back to being ranked they're ranked twenty five now. They're actually uh, okay. tied with a couple of teams. Still below Furman though. Yeah, still below Furman. So um, yeah, shout out to Villanova for uh, losing <laughs> to UPenn the other day. What a great team! Really off to the defense of the Natty title in uh, astoundingly great fashion. Um, that'll actually lead into one of my hot takes later today. But let's stick with the second half. So, Battle really carried the ship. Helped drag Syracuse back from the depths. Brought to a three-point game, and that was when Elijah Hughes and O'Shea Brissett had a couple of big plays. And I think it was the Brissett and one which prompted Ewing to change everything up. The Brissett and one actually got Syracuse up to a six-point lead on Georgetown. He just he lured Trey out from underneath the basket, easily beat him going to his right, cutting across into the lane, laid it up and in, did a little shimmy afterwards, and that was when Ewing, I believe, pulled four of his five starters. He pulled Trey, Jamarco, McClung, and James, all from the game, pumped in Greg, Jagan, Javon, and Josh, and went tit-for-tat with uh, Bayheim and employed his own 2-3. Mm-hmm. And that was when you really noticed a change. For on, on, on offense and defense, I'd argue, for Georgetown. And I would argue that that decision 
was one of the most brilliant in-game adjustments Ewing has made as a head coach at Georgetown. Yeah, especially given the stakes. Yeah. The fact that he ran with Jagan, Javon, and Greg as like our, our wings and our guards was just, I mean, I think he had defense in mind for sure when he made the substitutions because mm-hmm. that's where it helped us most. Um, but on offense, they just, you know, they were able to stay with him. And, and we, I mean, we hung with Syracuse for like like a like a prime engaged Syracuse for 15 minutes without our best players on the floor, which I, like really tells me something. Yeah, I think Coach Ewing had to be had to have been thinking of last year too, when a unit that featured Javon and Jagan running the offense took it to Syracuse at home, and I think he was hoping for a little bit of a replication of that this year. But the, the man of the hour who dragged Georgetown back from the grave was Greg Malinowski. He brought a Steph Curry shooting shoes or something Making because he was unconscious yeah. from three. Yeah, he was going. He was. He was. He. Him and Elijah Hughes. It was like. Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed in like the 15th round just swinging at each other in the middle. Anything you could do, I could do better. It was remarkable yeah. watching it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't expect it from either of them too, but I'll just, I'll add the tally here on the whiteboard near us to the other predictions that we've gotten right this year. I think that makes three now. Um, but yeah, Greg with 11 points. Um, hitting crazy shots. He played great defense, too. I think he was the guy who ended up being switched on the battle for mm-hmm. some of it. Um, I, I mean, I did say he'd have a good game, so it wasn't surprising. But, I mean, some of the shots he hit were just, like, just unconscious, man. I think it was he the was second just, one. I had trouble seeing from my angle of the Well, the, the first one was just a regular catch-and-shoot three yes. on the wing. The second one was off, like, a loose ball. Mm-hmm. He just picked it up. That was the one I was talking yeah. about. Yes, and then there was the, his third one, which was I was my favorite. Uh, the ball got tipped out. He picked it, and then just one dribble, like a deep three, just butter. I remember. Um, I think it was the third one. So the way that we were sitting, we were actually like court level on the broadcast. Mm. But you know, Syracuse, it's the Carrier Dome is basically a uh, you know. It's a football stadium, and the way it's set up is very unique. So you have the court, and we were actually positioned on the right corner of it, facing like right next to raised bleachers to our left. So we couldn't actually see the side of the court where... Greg hit two of his three threes. Oh, man. So I remember I was trying to call the game, and I was I would have to constantly switch from looking at the court to the big board all the way <laughs> up on the right. Man. So I saw the shot go up, turn, and it was just – it was one of the most beautiful sights I've <laughs> ever seen. The ball just coming straight through the hoop. Oh, man. It was it was exhilarating. Gets you going. Yeah. Do you man. wear your glasses when you broadcast? Oh, I have to. Okay. If yeah. I sit here and take my glasses off, so Carter and I are sitting right next to each other, you are blurry. Hey, <laughs> right. try them on. All right. Well, let's see. What, what can I? Let me look at this. Let me look at our tallies. 
Oh my god, I can't see anything when I put them on. <laughs> we must have like opposite vision. Or oh, I'm blind, dude. Yeah. I can't see anything. Oh, okay. Well, um, Uno, I was gonna say that because it'd be having to look up at the board every time. It was, it was, uh, it was challenging, but I, the way I kind of describe it to people is I kind of blacked out for like the last nine minutes of the game while broadcasting. Like I, <coughs> I was just so involved in the game. I remember the point. One of the points that I do remember during the game was like I couldn't actually explain to you any details because I was just so invested, so focused on everything, like locked in. Like you know how Kobe said in one interview, he's like, when you're down the stretch, you just get into a zone, and like all you're focused on is like the next play. Nothing really bothers you. It kind of happened to me for the first time broadcasting ever, and it was a really weird, exciting feeling. I do remember, though, when Javon hit his 1-3. He was one of the players I said to look out for, and he needed to be good from beyond the arc. Of course, he wasn't. He was 1-3. <laughs> but he hit the 3. I actually pumped my fist on the broadcast. <laughs> I gotta go back and watch that. That was probably really funny. I think I you probably apologized right after. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> I, I think I, like, because uh, Javon actually pointed to the sky, and I was like, he hits it, he points to the sky, and says, give me those three points! <laughs> what a call. Yeah, I uh, I had some elect. I, I was, like, breathing fire during yeah, the second half of the broadcast. Crazy. I definitely gotta watch that then over break. It was fun. It was a great experience. Yeah. Um, it, it's. I find it hilarious, though, that, you know, given Javon was one of your players to look for, you also cheated and said Jagan was one of your players to look for. And our most successful lineup was the two of them with Greg. <laughs> it's like it's like the world wants us to be right. Oh, I know. When are we going to... I'm probably going to have to talk to Lori and ask her to uh, compile... We'll compile some of her hottest takes that actually are right, a.k.a. all of them, and we so we can submit them to Ewing for assistant coaching jobs. Yeah, seriously, yeah. Oh, he would hate us. Our career paths <laughs> don't work out. But, like, look, where are we not... Like, we're right. I oh, mean, I know. He'd we're be, annoying about it, Oh, but. yeah. We'd be like, Coach! We get like, Greg into the game! Yeah, we, like, we, we didn't even play high school basketball, and somehow... He turned... You know, we're going to act like we... <laughs> He wouldn't see us. He'd just be like, "Who's the who's saying that?" I don't. There are there are two flies. I think. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. great though. Like the second half, like I definitely think the analogy of two exhausted heavyweight boxers in the last couple yeah. of rounds, just in a phone booth fight, is a great analogy because it was both teams taking haymakers and giving haymakers right back. It was. One of the greatest games I've seen this season. Oh yeah, I, I honestly think it might take uh, game of the year, college wise. Like uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know because you gotta, you know, if these were just two teams, like okay, this is an objectively great game. But then you add the the legacy and the rivalry to it, like it was, it was so funny because I was on Twitter before the game. And my favorite uh, college basketball analyst, this guy named Bobby Regan, he works for Barstool Sports. I just think the guy's brilliant in his analogy of how the game works, how the NCAA works, and his knowledge of just different teams in general. He pumped out a rivalry weekend preview for games, and he chose to preview Creighton, Nebraska, over Georgetown, Syracuse. And somebody chirped him on Twitter because of that, and he said, this was... This is why uh, not everybody is as gifted and their hot takes as we are. He said something along the lines of, 
I'd rather pre- preview two NCAA tournament teams rather than one that isn't. Definitely going to be a better game. And it was a blowout. Awful game to watch. It's a shot at Georgetown, too. Yeah, and somebody chirped at him right after the yeah. game. <laughs> but, yeah. boy! Yeah. Hey, that's the risk of putting yourself out there with hot takes. You're going to be wrong eventually. That's true. And, uh, that's true. Georgetown proved a lot of people wrong in that loss. Yeah. I mean, that's why I said it, I don't think it's, it's right to... You know, act like they didn't play. I mean, they played their fucking hearts out. Yeah. Like, I'm even. I'm watching the last or rewatching the last clip where Javon misses the shot, and I'm just watching people's reactions. Like Javon jumps up, Jesse and Trey bend over on their knees. Mac like probably yells "fuck" or something. Greg just like looks up and you know rolls his eyes. Like, and the bench is just like deflated. Uh, yeah, so deflated. That's a really good word. So it's just they're so invested in this. Um, it, it was it's tough, but I I hope that they're you know they find a way to internalize it and use it as motivation. That's ever, that's all you can really hope for. Have you ever seen Coach Carter? Yeah, like like what do you mean? Oh, Chris, the, um, Chris Carter, or is that like a show? Oh with him? no, Coach Carter's a movie with Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, I think you'd actually really like it. It's about basketball. Yeah, I know that name sounds really um, good. fantastic movie, and it just like the, what you were describing just made me think of the ending. Of mm. that movie, okay. Like the team plays their absolute heart out against the big time rival, and the rival, who actually had the best player in California on his team, just hit a ridiculous buzzer beater. And mm. like they were in the locker room, and they went out and they started chanting like their school's name. So I mean, I think that's Ewing's job to uh, right now rec- help his team recognize that they have nothing to be ashamed about in that loss. They have everything to be proud of. And rather than to use that loss as something that holds them down and doubts them for the rest of the season, to help build themselves up and recognize that we can play with a top 25 team yeah. in one of the most hostile environments in the, yeah. in the nation. Dude, I'm, the game next year is going to be venomous. Especially if, if Battle stays. I don't know if he will, but if he stays... God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be so, I'm gonna be ready for blood. Thing is, we may not be playing them next year. Really? Our four-year contract is up. Oh, jeez. And the ACC wants to expand its regular season, so the future. Listen, I think it's gonna happen. Yeah. The way the past, the way every single game we've had against Syracuse during the four-year contract, the first two we won, the second two they won, were exhilarating. Wild games, and I think this was this was easily the best one of the four. Yeah. Obviously, not the result that we wanted, but I think it's going to provide great momentum moving forward, and hopefully, it materializes into another contract because I think it's very obvious that the fans want this to continue. You could yeah. tell after every big play, the players were jawing at each other; they were getting physical, and I think. Coach Beheim has a newfound respect for Ewing as a coach mm. now. Because after the game, I don't know how much Syracuse you, you watch just in general. Beheim is like the classic coach when he goes up, even after a win, like, mock do a handshake with me. He'll like, go like. <laughs> he dead fishes you and yeah, then just. He pieces. literally will just go like. Like, barely even wow. looks at the opposing coach. Like, the lack of respect that he gives some people, like, he's just uninterested in it. 
Yeah. He just doesn't care. Like he he's very focused on his own team. But at, after that game, he Beheim, one of the coldest coaches when it comes to ha- uh, end game handshakes, went up and had a conversation with Ewing, and that is a sign of respect from him. And even in his post game presser, he was like, "This team was built differently." He said they gave us shot after shot after shot in the mouth, and they just kept coming. Mm. Even that final possession, it was Javon's half-court heave was that close to going in. Dude, it um, looked so good from where I was sitting. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's time to get into the last ninety seconds of this game. Yeah, I think um, we've been avoiding it. A good starting point would be the three from the heavens from Jesse Govan. So it was like a broken play. Not much was happening for Georgetown. We were down by two. And I think it was... Um, this was after Badlin hit a three from the wing. Yes. It was uh, 70 to 68, I believe. Yep. And the, it was just like a loose play. Jesse kind of curled up on the wing. She kind of stepped in. It was kind of double teamed. He had a player on his right and a player on his left closing in. Just pulled up in. It was abs- the shot was just absolutely wet. Yeah. Wing, with about 59 seconds left to give Georgetown a 71-70 lead. I was so worried, too, because Jacob and Javon were doing their classic thing where they just dribble five times and then pass it to each other. <laughs> five feet beyond the arc. Just no. And I was like, oh, no, nothing's going to happen. It's going to be a chuck. No proactivity at all. And Jesse moved out from the block. To get to that. He realized that he needed to step up and yeah. do something. Yeah, which, oh man, that's that's why it hurts even more. Because he's been so vocal about, you know, as the leader of this team, the fact that he wants to win. And, oh man. I, I, think, I, I, I think that's a great point, though. I think that play in itself shows the leadership skills and ability from Jesse this season. I think we were speaking about this the last podcast. Eventually, if you're a leader, if you're the best player on the team, you inherently just have to be one of the leaders just in today's sports world especially for basketball and you can be as vocal as you want but you actually need to lead by example on the court and that was a great instance of Jesse leading by example realizing that it was crunch time and him being the best player best player has got to step up and make plays and he that's literally what he did on that possession he'd even made the jumper before Mm -hmm. so uh, I think People haven't really been realizing this, but anybody who follows or watched this game is going to know who Jesse Govan is. I remember Mitchell's uh, father, after the game, he went up to us. He was like, who is this Govan kid? He was unstoppable. We couldn't guard him down the stretch. And I think that's a kudos to uh, the way that Jesse has really developed. But the biggest win was when Syracuse missed the shot. Oh yeah, that was battle again, right? It was. I think it was. It was battle. It definitely was. Was it a three pointer? No, it wasn't a three. I think it was. It was one of those. It, it was very similar to the shot he actually hit to win it. it. I think it was just like a one dribble pull up, or the thing where he like would go left, spin, and then try to do like the floater mm-hmm. in the middle of the lane. He hit the back iron, right? Yeah, it looked like he was trying to draw a foul because he'd been doing a lot of that too in the first half. He's masterful of that. Yeah. Oh, dude, that shit was so annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he 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 knocked Pickett out of the game. Yeah. And then Ewing couldn't bring Pickett back in because Greg was just playing too well. Yeah. Honestly, also another thing, 
there, it's one it's one thing to make the switch, mm-hmm. you know, all the props in the world to Ewing, but to stick with it. Yeah. You know, especially he wasn't going to bring Mac and James in until like the last 20 seconds. Yeah. Um, which so, we were even a little cautious about because yeah. they, they, they'd been on the bench for so long. But like that takes guts. It does. As much guts as it takes to start two freshmen, it also takes guts to keep them on the bench. Not only just starting two freshmen, two freshmen that weren't top 100 from ESPN or yeah. rivals. Yeah. So, so Battle missed the shot. Jaden goes up and gets a really strong rebound. And I want to say it was about a five-second difference. It was 35 on the game clock, 30 on the shot clock. And if there's one thing that Bayheim doesn't believe in, he doesn't like fouling. Mm. He says that there is too much variability in the game to let it come down to fouling. So if he can avoid it, he usually will. So I knew off the bat that Syracuse was going to back off. And you could kind of tell that rattled Georgetown a little bit. You could tell that they were they got the ball to Greg immediately on offense and you could tell he was waiting to be yeah. fouled. Yeah. I thought I thought they were. Yeah. I thought they were gonna foul. Even for Bayheim, that's an aggressive call. Because had Georgetown held it until the end of the shot clock and then had either made a shot, missed it, you're gonna get the ball with about three seconds left. Yeah. And it, what happens if Jesse Gets an offensive rebound. It was a risky yeah, play know. by him, but thankfully for Syracuse, it worked out. With 10 seconds on the shot clock, Syracuse was pressed up real high. Jesse flared out to the top, set a beautiful screen yeah. that Jagan worked towards his left, went went right by into the middle, had a ton of space, but lowered his shoulders, left shoulder. He looked like a running back going yeah. straight. And Dolajai, Merrick Dolajai, who's in for the fouled out, uh, Pascal Chupu, took it right on the sternum and went down like he was shot. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, the thing is, Jaden didn't even look at the rim. Yeah. He was. He knew that he was trying to draw a foul, and it backfired in the worst way possible yeah. in that circumstance. The referees called the charge. I know. Jaden's a very cerebral player, but I think he psychs himself out sometimes and overthinks things. Like, he doesn't play on instinct. Mm-hmm. Or it's just like, I don't know what Division One college basketball player, like, doesn't trust themselves to take the shot. Yeah. Because, like, right? You take a floater, you miss it. You know, that happens Even with Jay- 10 seconds left. Jagan's Jagan has a great good, touch around true. the rim. He's a good floater. I mean, he obviously didn't trust himself to yeah. take it. But, right, even just... Even if you pass it back out, like I, I just don't get why you you make a decision that puts the game in the ref's hands instead of yes. your own, right? Like I just it's a good way of putting it. It, it just annoyed me. I well, mean, he also could have, you know, he was going in with a head full of steam. You see some players when they break into around like within the perimeter in a situation like that, they kind of slow down to feel the defender behind them. The back, yeah. And that's how they draw contact. And yeah. James is really good at that. It, wonderful. Yeah. So that, you're right. I think, like, my only gripe with Coach Ewing in this game was he had a timeout in his back pocket. When you saw that they weren't going to foul, why didn't you call the timeout to draw something up and try to get Greg yeah. or Jesse an open look from the outside? Yeah. I mean, and he obviously was trying. I think he thought they were going to foul, which is why he motioned Mac and James to the scorer's table. He mm-hmm. said, oh, we need our good free throw shooters in. Um, but even then, but even, why didn't you call timeout? Why didn't you yeah. call timeout? You know, I don't, 
I don't understand that. I, I wish I could have asked him that in the presser. Um, yeah. Do you know if he was? Did you? Uh, he was there. Um, I'm sure he spoke to the press. I saw Bayheim speaking. I okay. didn't see Ewing. I Obviously, just, I, I think just... the answer is he trusted his players to make a play. But like, I know. I know. I, 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 I don't agree with that logic. Like, I get trusting your players, but it's like, it's Jake and like. When you have if you they were overachieving objectively. Yeah. Like if you have that personnel out there, especially given the past couple of offensive possessions have run yeah. through Jesse and listen, Jaden and Javon are great players within their own respective rights, but they're not creators. Yeah, they they, they, they struggle creating opportunities for themselves and for their teammates. If I was coach Ewing, you call a timeout and you try to get Greg an open look from the corner. Jesse, an open look from the top of the key. You want either one of them getting an open look from three to potentially bury this game. Okay, this is this is actually crazy. Look at this. So from 14 minutes on, no one scored other than Jesse and Greg, except for the one Javon three. Really? Josh LeBlanc scored a couple times. Oh, yeah, my bad. He had a couple free throws. Yes, free throw. Like two free throws? Yeah. Yeah, two free throws. But, like, that's... That's crazy, and then they were in the they were in the game at the end. Yeah, and like Greg, I mean, all of his things were catch and shoots and free throws. So it wasn't like he was doing stuff off the dribble. Like I just don't like I I feel like you're playing a risky odds game at that point. You are. It's like oh well, they've already played so well. Let's just hope it continues. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't maybe it's just my personality, but I I wouldn't play that shit. I would just be like. I would have called the timeout. I'm trying to win. Like and again, it's, it's easy for us just to sit here and be like, yeah, you should have called the timeout. But when you're in that position, man, I don't even want to know how that feels as yeah. a coach. Yeah, I know. But um, so obviously the charge happened, and then Bayheim called the timeout, and everybody in the building knew who was going to get the ball mm-hmm. and who whose hands the game was going to be, and it was Tyus Battle. And I think if you're Coach Ewing – you were telling your t- you were telling Jagan, who was going to be tasked with guarding Tyus, as he was your best on ball defender, which he was. Do not let him get into the lane and draw a charge, draw a foul. Oh god, yeah. So one thing that Jagan is a does a marvelous job of is putting himself in a position to take a charge, and I'm sure Bayheim was aware of that. And informed battle, and I'm sure battle knew. Jagan took a couple of charges that game, mm-hmm. but the key moment of that play was Jagan managed to stay in front of battle for the most part. He got a screen when he was cutting across the lane from the right side, but Jagan fought through it and almost cut Jesse off in a weird way as Jesse was kind of beginning to move up to help. And then battle just stopped on a dime, position, kind of twerked his body midair. To put him to kind of square himself to the rim, and the rest is history. Yeah, the crowd went crazy. Everybody's heart sank as a Georgetown fan. It was, it was tough. It was crazy too because, I mean, uh, you heard the call at the beginning of the broadcast or the beginning of the podcast. I keep talking about, but um, it just the. the the broadcast on ESPN just went silent, and all you heard was the crowd roaring. It was just like driving the stake that much further. I had uh, watched my call because I had blacked out during it. I didn't remember what I said. Um, 
and it was wild because like the way we do our broadcasts is we have the cameras fixated on our faces and you could see the crowd behind it and right as I yelled to make the call everybody just stood up and shit went flying it was actually a really cool call Mm -hmm. because of that Um, but it was so funny because I tried to remain impartial and stay intense but my partner said he said when you made that call I could tell you were devastated I could tell you were heartbroken (laughs) and I was after the game when everybody was leaving and my two partners were packing their stuff up, I just sat there and just didn't move for like three minutes, just staring at the court. I was just crushed. I know. That's the same with me. I, I just, I was watching it with some friends in, in my apartment and I, we just, we just like stared at the screen. And it, it went from that to you know, hands in our yeah. laps. It set the mood for the down. rest of the day. We were all so upset. <laughs> just, the positive, excited energy was just all gone. Oh, man. So that's, so it's times like this where I think I love sports a little too much. See, <laughs> so I was, text, I was texting um, one of my friends about it, um, or my parents, someone who doesn't really watch sports, and they're like, oh, how's your day going? I'm like, pretty fucking shitty. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> they're like, why? What happened? They're like, Georgetown lost. They're like, oh, man, that sucks. I'm like, no, you, you don't. You don't get it. Like, this is my life, man. <laughs> I know, but it's oh man, it was tough. Hell it, of a shot. That's all I can really say. As you said, he's got some Kobe in him. Yeah, and then and then Javon's thing right after is such a tease. Oh, the back iron. If that went in, they would have sucked the air right out of the carrier dome. The dome would have collapsed. Yeah, it would have deflated. <laughs> yeah. It's actually wild because the pressure in the dome is actually, like, the air pressure has to be kept at a certain level. Otherwise, the dome will actually deflate. So the way that you Did have, that, Didn't that happen? I, I, I think Mitch might have said something about it, but... Or was that in... The uh, way you actually have to enter the dome is wild. As a fan, you're only allowed to enter through... Um, oh, that's what... Revolving doors. And as a media... So, you know how you walk into the media in Capital mm-hmm. One, it's just a normal door? So, for the Carrier Dome, there's like this huge metal door that they open up, and it's almost like a, you know how you're walking into a, a it's like a TV show, um, and you need to get like watered down because you're going into like a hazardous area, and you need <laughs> to be clean? It's like one of those chambers, they close the door, and you're in this little room, and there's security all over, and then they... As soon as that door is closed, the next door is opened, and then you can go into the arena. Jesus. Because it's like, you have to keep the air pressure at a certain level, otherwise the dome will literally deflate. That's ridiculous. It's crazy. That reminded me, have you ever seen this video? It's the Metrodome, where the Vikings play. Mm -hmm. It collapsed a few years ago because of snow. Last night, snow leaking in the roof, and the roof collapsed this morning. Well, you know, that would suck. (laughs) <laughs> wow How ridiculous is that? 
Yeah, that's nuts. For those of you who can't actually see that, the dome literally caved in, and there were holes with water and snow just pouring into like, the stadium. Like, think of the, you know, like the tarp thing covering the top of it. It's just, like, swollen down. It's probably only, like, 100 feet above the football field. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. All right. YouTube Metrodome roof collapse, if you want it. I think that's a good way to segment into our uh, <laughs> collapse. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, how fitting. And uh, so you want to start off with want to get to it with some hot stuff? Yeah, I think so. Do the Fortnite dance, Dan. <laughs> Take the L, Georgetown. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, you know. We're in a little better spirits now. Yeah, I mean, even though it's finals here, hey, I, uh, talking Georgetown basketball always brings a smile to your face, even That's though true. you are talking, you know, a heartbreaking loss. But I think I'll start off today. Through thick and thin. Um, see, I'm, I was upset because this would have been a hotter take earlier this week and I had this planned out I texted you on the car ride home from Syracuse I had a good one yeah and, yeah uh, what is it you know Villanova decided to be like oh uh, I want your uh, hot take to be a little bit less good at the very moment yeah Syracuse is better than every single team in the Big East better than Nova better than the undefeated St. John's better than powerhouse DePaul Oh, okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> easy, bro. <laughs> easy. What's that lane for? Oh, oh, I'm take a job. Well, just take it easy, Whoa, man. Just take it easy, man. <laughs> yeah. So my hot take is Syracuse, at the very moment, is better than every single team in the Big East, What's which bodes well for Georgetown. Yeah, I definitely think this will be a, a super quality loss because we said, too, that you know the role players of Syracuse outside of uh, Battle and Brissette, they have a lot of potential. Like Eliza Hughes, even Jalen Carey, he was like, I think an 89 overall. Uh, and yeah. he's a freshman, like a true freshman. Um, so when they come along, uh, I, I really think they can be a very good team, especially with the zone. That's always how Bay Hyde teams are. Like they always do well in the tournament mm-hmm. because the zone, just so few people know how to play against it. Yeah, it's uh, really wild. So you look at um, teams in the Big East – yeah. I would argue, at the very moment, the favorite to win the Big East should be Marquette. Yeah, I was going to say Marquette. They've been fucking amazing. They've been very talented. I didn't think they'd be this good. I thought they'd be good. but Yeah, I think it's also just been the underwhelmingness of uh, Villanova. You could really see the impact of losing DiVincenzo and Eric Pascal. If they, they lost their whole team. I yeah, mean, they lost a lot. They lost... Um, Three of their four stars. Three of their four stars. Spellman? Yeah. Uh, oh, no, they still have Pascal. Excuse me. That's what yeah. I have. Spellman. Um, yeah, they lost a lot. Phil Booth hasn't really been that Mansell player who everyone thought they would. Yeah, Dimitri he, Cosby Roundtree hasn't really rounded into form yet. <laughs> yeah, but, and even uh, uh, JQ, Javon Quinterly, he sucked. Mm-hmm. He, was their, he was their five-star recruit. 
Yeah, Jay Wright saying he's the best point guard he's ever had. Why isn't he playing more? Yeah, I know. Did you see uh, the the tweet that he sent? Or not the tweet, but the Instagram story he made? No. This was after they lost a pen. He put a story up, all black, with white text saying, this was my second choice for a reason. Wow. Because he, remember, he originally committed to Arizona. Yes. And then he committed, and then he, he faked, he lied and said he got hacked. But then people found out he didn't get hacked, so he had to apologize for it. Shit. Yeah. So this is like it's there's a there's weird Villanova is usually a very drama free team, but Ooh, I, I, I don't it. know why he's not playing more. I mean he hasn't played well, but I feel like it's you know take a page out of Coach Coach Ewing's book there. Yeah, give him run. Like I don't know I don't know what can make things worse, right? At least mm-hmm. by Nova standards. Yeah, but also like diving back into the Big East and you look mm-hmm. at I think there's a lot of parity in the conference this year. Yeah. I don't think there's really one standout powerhouse team like there has been the past three years with Villanova. So the good teams, I would argue, are Marquette's obviously the best. St. John's is undefeated, but St. John's is a two-man team. And those two men are Shamori Pons and Shamori Pons. Pons. I would say Mustafa Haran, who was a... I don't, not a lot of people know who Mustafa is, yeah. but he was the SEC Conference Freshman Player of the Year last year for Auburn. Wow. Really dynamic, athletic, off-ball guard that can beat you in a lot of different ways. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's a good player, good. but he's very percent from three. Very inconsistent, though. Okay. Um, but I'll have to watch this guy before we play him. When you have an All-American caliber player in Shamori Pons, you're obviously going to be a difficult team to beat. They just have no front court at all. Yeah. This dude, LJ Figueroa, is too pretty good. Um, he's okay. Yeah, he's solid. I mean, he's got 15-7 and seven on 56% shooting as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Like, that's solid. He's at yeah. double figures every game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, St. John's definitely isn't bad. And, and it's weird when you look at the standings, too. Like, no team is worse than Xavier at 6-4. and four. Like, and there's, there's a lot of parity. bad. A couple of teams in the Big East have some nice wins, too. Seton Hall just downed Kentucky. Yeah, that was a crazy game. Yeah, that could probably rival ours as game of the year, mm-hmm. but I would argue that there wasn't as much back and forth action, especially in the overtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kentucky kind of ran out of gas. I but. definitely think that uh, Georgetown is a team to be reckoned with as well, especially at home this year. I think that we're going to be a tough team to beat in Capital One. Butler's always a sneaky good team. Yeah. Providence plays good defense. I don't think Creighton's that good this year. No, they played Gonzaga tough. The thing is, it's hard to beat Creighton when they're at home because they have a very big home field advantage. Yeah, um, we've always struggled at Creighton, but I think Creighton's a little bit underwhelming. I just, I generally think it's going to be. I think this is anyone's conference. Because yeah. Marquette is certainly beatable. You saw what Indiana did to them earlier this year. Yeah. If you can find a way to slow down Marcus Howard, granted, like God bless you if you do. <laughs> but if you can, that's that is Marquette's team. They are Marcus Howard. Yeah. And that's kinda I feel like that's the theme of a lot of these big East teams. They go as far as the best player takes them. Yeah. Like with Providence, it's um, probably Alpha Diallo. Yes. Saint John's, it's Shimori. Uh, Seton Hall, it's Miles Powell. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's it's really I think the depth that's gonna and obviously we'll go as far as Jesse takes us but Xavier is Hanky McSpanky. <laughs> Whoa no! Wait, is that you, that's a real name? That's his nickname. Oh lord! Wait, what? do you really not? Have you not heard no, of this? No, no. What is that? So in the Maui Invitational, oh my God. there was a big deal made of this one player. His name 
Wait, what is his ex- what is his exact name? I got the roster up here if you need it. Let me Google it. Um, yeah, Hanky McSpanky. His name <laughs> it's ridiculous. For some reason, uh, let me type in Xavier. I can't remember his name. There's a guy. Um, hang on. You want me to just read the names off? Zach Han- Zach Hankins. Zach Hankins. Okay. His nickname is Hanky McSpanky. When uh, so Bill Walton, of course, went nuts <laughs> over this. Oh Barstool actually uh, tweeted out as soon as that came up. The National Player of the Year campaign begins for Hanky McSpanky. Um, so whenever so whenever Xavier played, I was watching the Xavier Illinois game in Maui, and Bill Walton kept screaming about how Hanky McSpanky needed to be the feature player on offense every <laughs> single possession for oh, Xavier. Man. We gotta open up our next episode with that. Hank, this is the audio clip, dude. I'm telling you, Bill Walton has been in peak form. Yeah, this season. Man, somebody they 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 phoned someone in from uh, during one of the games, and Bill Walton just goes, "Honestly, I thought you were dead." <laughs> He's been making animal noises during the broadcast. <laughs> they were, he was he was broadcasting Gonzaga, Washington U. And Washington U, I think. Was this this was the Huskies? In, was this up at Washington? Yeah, oh, and they won the. Um, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they were talking about something, doing. and Bill Walton's like, "I'm not interested in anything going on outside of uh, this game. We're here to watch the Washington Huskies roof, roof, roof." <laughs> on just national TV. Yeah, shout out to his dealer, man. Shout, yeah, sh- yeah. <laughs> that guy is supplying so many memories. Oh, he's. He's got to be one of the greatest color commentators of all time. Man, he's still a big what if in NBA history, honestly. Yeah, a really sad story, to be honest. The one year that he managed to stay healthy, that 86 Celtics team was close to unbeatable. No, not even that, but uh, the, the beginning of his career. I mean, he was old by then, too, but, mm-hmm. and he won sixth man of the year. Yeah. But early on, right, it was like his third year when he finals MVP and just ran through shit with the Blazers. Mm-hmm. Will always brings that up to me. One of my roommates is from Portland, so... I didn't know he that. He brings that up. Yeah, yeah. Good old West Coaster. Um, he always brings that up. Oh, I forgot he was from or- like uh, Portland. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. wild. Well, he's not even from Portland. He's from like a town outside Portland, but he says Portland because, you know, I don't think there are any other cities in Oregon besides Portland. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, back to your point about the Big East. And I mean, um, my hot take honestly kind of goes off of that. Um, I was doing a little bit of research into our non conference, or not, sorry, Big East play. Just to kind of see, you know, how things will progress, and I think, you know, when we talk about SMU at the end, we'll begin to preview that a little bit. Um, I was gonna say that, you know, we, my hot take is it's kind of it's it's too similar to yours. I was gonna say um, we beat Nova twice. Wow. Well, my reaction to that is. Undefeated Big East campaign. <laughs> never lost. Never. Never. But yeah, I think that's possible. Yeah. Nova's I mean, just in such shambles right now. Yeah. And as long as we contain Pascal and Phil Booth, oh, you know that. Dude, put Josh on Pascal. Come on. Yeah. You know that kid Gillespie's going to go off on us. That fucker. Oh my God. Yeah. You just oh my God. Imagine it. between him and Mac, there's going to be a lot of like hateable white dudes. <laughs> I know. I know. You know Gillespie's going to go off on us, though. Yeah. 
Yeah, I well that was that's my hot take because I I don't like what I'm seeing from Nova at all. They look awful. They really don't look good, and I think a lot of their you know they're going to be given a longer leash than most teams because they have such a pedigree and a history. But this is definitely the worst roster they've had in a long time. People, like people, people always talk about. Sorry, people always talk about like, oh, Jay Wright's an amazing coach, mm-hmm. but like he's all he's been working with at least three NBA players almost every time he's Granted, made he's a good run and develop them. Yes, in all fairness, but like the talent is still there, yes. right? And you know, everyone gets better when they're at Nova, but it's just the upside's way lower this year. Yeah, I definitely like. Right, I mean, I agree with that. they're led by people. a senior who averages fifteen a game. Like that's very average. Yeah, and it's like I don't know. Outside of this guy, I forget what his name was. It was like three names. Um, they're young. It's like DS something like. Oh, Dimitri Cosby Roundtree. Yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> that's a name and a half. Um, besides him and probably Quinterly, there aren't a lot of like high upside players. Yeah, they have. That um, you can see. I mean, even Cosby Roundtree, he's he makes smart basketball plays at time, but like at times, but he's really an unremarkable player in general. Hmm. I mean, granted, I'm sure if you're an outsider for Georgetown, you see someone like Javon Blair, and you're like, yeah, what an unremarkable player. And he comes on, goes all Steph Curry on your ass. Yeah, yeah, that's but true. I think that's a great. Um, I think that's a very doable. Hot take. Yeah. We'll see Man, if we, if we beat Nova at the pavilion, oh, baby. Yeah, it won't be Q's, but that'll be a marquee. I mean, honestly, it might not even be a marquee win by then if Nova just sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah. Want to dive into SMU briefly before closing it out? Uh, yeah. So, basically, SMU is tomorrow. They're 6-4. and four. First in the uh, AAC, technically, I guess. Um, this shouldn't be a hard game in I'm with you on that. My only concern is what is our team's mindset going to be coming out of the Syracuse loss? Are we going to come out like a team defeated, or are we going to come out thinking that we can hang with the best of the best? Yeah, I mean, I think talent-wise, we got I, I don't think I've really followed SMU. They've had a but, bit of a tough year. Yeah, what are they, 6-4? and four? I mean, it's too early to judge. But, I mean, I would say the one thing that I'm concerned with is just our three-point defense. Yeah, because I agree with that. I think that's the one plaguing issue that's been with us, even in the Syracuse game and all the growth that we've seen from the team since the beginning of the year, which I think is so palpable now. It's like that's what impresses me. It's not like something we have to reach for to say that they're a much better team than the beginning of the year. Um, but yeah, I would just say, I mean, SMU in general is a pretty good shooting team. Yes, that's so. something I noticed when watching them. Their highlights against TCU, they are definitely not afraid to chuck up some threes. Yeah. So Georgetown has to be ready to guard beyond the arc consistently, because um, they put up twenty five threes. They didn't hit a lot of them. <laughs> they only shot sixteen percent. They only made four. Their best player is Jamal McMurray. He had a brutal shooting game. He went 8 of 22, 2 of 11 from downtown. And uh, Witt Jr., he went 2 of 12. So this is a team that certainly, they get their shots up. They put up 61 shots, but they really did not shoot well. I could see Jamal McMurray just torching us. Yeah, some. it's always someone, man, especially in these games. I could see this being a little similar to the Richmond game. I think yeah, SMU is better than too. Richmond, but just like 
they're making a bunch of shots. We come out a little flat. We coast. Like, I don't want to see that, though. I want to see more of a Liberty second-half performance where we we just step on their necks. Yeah. I would love to put this game out of reach by 15 minutes in the second half. Just have an absolute, complete game, build on what we did in Syracuse, yeah. and apply it and de- demolish a team that, in my opinion, doesn't really deserve to be sharing the same court as Georgetown this year. Oh. So this is a game where Georgetown needs to come out and prove it. Yeah. I'm definitely here for that. I, I think you know, we both view things the same way. Yeah. And we've already seen this team respond well to adversity in the past. Um, and I, I hope it's a little bit of like a get-right game. You know what I mean? Where it's just a little kumbaya, easy win. Everyone plays pretty well. Um, you know, James gets his confidence back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, makes some good passes, is able to get into the lane and all that. Um, and, yeah, but I, I think it'll be a pretty easy win. You know, it, looking at the rest of our non-conference schedule. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a joke, Carter. Yeah, that's all you need to know. We got three more games after SMU against Appalachian State, um, Upset City, Little Rock. Um, I lost, I was so mad. Remember when they played Purdue? Yeah, they did. And that one weird. dude hit like the crazy three. I had Purdue going to like the Elite Eight that oh, year. Of course you did. <laughs> and then and then we play Howard. Um, all of those games will be. Uh, oh no, actually no, never mind. The Appalachian State game is pretty. It's on Tuesday, and then Little Rock's on the twenty second, and Howard on the 29th. So the team does get a little bit of a Christmas break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's then nice. We, uh, I, I don't remember it really being like that in the past. Yeah, then we open up at um, at Butler. On January 2nd, so that'll be a great opportunity for Georgetown to make a statement win in their first Big East game. Then we have our home opener for the Big East is versus St. John's. Oh, that's before we come back from break. That stinks. Yeah, we can, I, I come back on the 7th. Damn, so that's that's going to be a... Is that, is that a home game? It is. Ah, oh, man, okay. Our so first I was going to say if it, was, if it was in New York, we could see it. Yeah, I'm probably going to go up to St. John's on the 27th regardless. Just for the game. Why not? Yeah, why not, dude? So You're a senior. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I might join you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an easy trip, you know? Yeah, totally. Easy enough. Get some bolt, bucks, bolt bus action. Yeah, but you got to love the bolt <laughs> bus. See, I thought about College even, students, no, come on. I thought about even going to Villanova for the game there. But mm. I think it's the same day as the Super Bowl, so... Oh, February 3rd? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a tough one. So I really don't think I want to do that. I mean, plus, we're like I said, we're going to crush them, so it won't be much of a game. Well, yeah, we won't even need to watch that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, how, um, you know, we could probably... Our, our You know, our next episode is going to be our player interview, so we won't really be able to do much of a, um, a conference schedule breakdown, because by the time it happens, we will have probably already played three or four games against Big East teams. So let's shoot the shit for a little bit and talk about what we think, um, how we think that will go. Listen, I'm expecting a top five finish. I'll be disappointed if we finish anywhere outside the top five. For me, it's cut and dry. you got to defend home court, and you got to have some marquee road wins. Beat Marquette at least once. I think we could beat, beat them at Nova home. once. Beat Nova once. Beat St. John's once. They've been giving us trouble recently. Yeah, we actually um, we swept. James St. on Shimori. <sighs> Jesus, don't even talk about that. Yeah, that'd be 
that's gonna be heated. I um, I mean, I think it's very simple. We've actually developed a pretty strong rivalry with St. John's the past couple of years. We um, we beat them twice last year in the regular season, and then choked in the Big East tournament. Javon and uh, Jamarco put up goose eggs. Marcus and Jesse balled out, but... Yeah, that was... Oh, man, remember the year before? My freshman year? It was when JT3 and Chris Mullen almost got in a fight. LJ uh, missed the game-winning shot. The layup, Marcus yeah. missed the putback. Yeah. That was a wild game. I know. I watched that with my dad and my brother. I was just... Oh, you were at the game, weren't you? No, I, no, that was last year. Last year. I was year. at the game last year, yeah. Freshman year, this was... Uh, we were already back, and it was... I was watching it from, like, a restaurant or something, and it was... Now, it hasn't been a lot to smile about with Georgetown basketball yeah. the past couple of years, but hopefully, yeah. hopefully Coach Ewing, yeah. freshman Josh, Jesse, hopefully Jesse wants to go out with a bang and gives us some smiles this he season. Does. He does. I, I'm, I view things kind of similarly to you, too. Um, the Big East as a conference, I think, is really hard to project because, like you said, there's a lot of parity. And, you know, outside of the teams that have a clear star, um, which I think is five, you know, if you're just going by, like, who was a preseason first team? Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough to really say where everyone else ends up because things can happen, right? Even like the Nova loss in between, you know, how we view a team now and when we play them, that'll affect how, um, you know, the perception of our wins and losses, right? Because yeah. usually in the past, even though we haven't been great in Big East play, the Big East has been an amazing conference. Mm-hmm. So it's been easier to justify some of those losses. So my fear, honestly, is that we do really well, but the Big East just isn't like it's very mediocre, you know. Yeah. And and we're you know usually right like five teams, maybe even six make the uh, tournament from the Big East. I could see that number being like three this year or four. I think four is um, a good estimate in okay. that regard. I think. The easiest choices when you look at the teams in the Big East at the moment are Marquette, St. John's, Nova, and Butler. But I don't think people are giving us our due credit yet, and why would they, especially after the first two yeah. years? I think had we beaten Syracuse, people would be giving us a little bit more props because that would have been a humongous win. Mm-hmm. But listen, if you want it, you got to earn it. Go out there and prove that you deserve to make the tournament. We're better than Butler, dude. I agree. We're better than 100%. Butler. 100%. Yeah. And you know what? Our first our first Big East game at Butler gives us a chance to fucking prove it. Yeah. I'm here for that. Go out there and show the world that Ewing's brought Saxon back. back. Taken seriously. Yeah. yeah. I. So, yeah, for my like prediction, not prediction, but just hopes, I view things really similarly. I hope that um, whatever number it takes to make the tournament, I obviously hope we get there. But I could see us ending. I could definitely see us top five, for sure. I don't know if top five is going to be good enough. And I don't even know if it's a top five where it's like we're almost the, the best of the second tier of teams or like the worst of the first tier of teams because it's too early to see how that will all be delineated. Um, but I, I don't think there's a game that we can't win, which is I feel interesting. Because it, it, it's, it's never been like that in the past. Like if someone play if, if someone other than Jesse plays well in every one of these games, we could win all of them. Yeah. Right? Unless, you know, the random player just goes off on us again. Which <laughs> yeah. I'm accounting for probably about two or three games of. But I mean that's I think from a fan's perspective, that's gonna make things way easier to get engaged with. Mm-hmm. But it'll it'll definitely, I think, 
lead to some more heartbreakers. I don't think Syracuse is the only tough loss we're going to have this year. Uh, it, it would be naive of me to say that I don't agree with you because yeah. just being a good team, taking that next step up, is just going to result in more heartbreak, as you yeah. said, and more lessons to be learned. And hopefully, listen, it'll all be for naught if we don't show up in the Big East tournament, regardless of our seating. Very true, yeah. So learn the lessons then. I always say if you're going to screw up, get it out of the way early. Hmm. Learn from it. And so when crunch time comes, you're ready to rock. Yeah, that's 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 a very good way to view it. Um, I'm just, man, I'm... I'm excited, but I'm just nervous. Like I almost, I want it to be the end of the year because I'm, I'm so curious about what happens. It, there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of intrigue. Yeah, but I think there's a lot of reason for optimism, and I think Coach Ewing just needs to channel the, this, the emotions regarding this loss in the right way to help keep building the foundation of this team to spring us to where we're trying to go. Yeah, yeah. He almost has to soothe, um, like the ego, mm-hmm. and kind of. Keep the wounds a yeah. little fresh, honestly. You know, because I think he's seen that that's what motivates most of our players, like James and Mac. They they love that stuff. It drives him. Um, Jesse's been very vocal about what his motivations are in terms of like his own legacy at Georgetown and stuff. So I think Ewing knows what to work with and the right strings to pull. I really hope Jesse gets a shot to play in the tournament. It would help his stock so much yeah. if he gets the chance to show out. You know, his nickname again <laughs> against, uh, better uh, against better opponents. Yeah, I think he recognizes that too, and God, I hope he's going to leave a very interesting legacy at Georgetown, especially if we don't make the tournament. Yeah, you know, because he was just such a dominant player towards the end of last year, throughout this season. I really hope he gets the opportunity to show everyone that he means business. Yeah, so I just. It's my one wish for this team. Get to the tournament and give, even if we lose the first game, give Jesse the chance to show these scouts that he has a place in the draft. Yeah. I'm trying to visualize it. Just imagining us, you know, like, or me watching us play a game during class. That just makes me so happy. (laughs) Not paying attention to (laughs) whatever's going on. Well, you know, if you uh, show up in some of my broadcasts, you might have a chance to watch it. Live, dude, don't don't tease me like that. I've already said, like, hey, you know, God forbid we make the tournament, we'll travel with the team and do the podcast with the team. Oh, fuck yeah! Oh, we need that. That's when we get the Ewing interview. Exactly. (laughs) Well, mark my words, our fans, Patrick Ewing will be on this podcast at least once this season. Bam! Hottest take right there. I'm gonna make it happen. Okay. Mark my words, I will make this happen. <laughs> All right, dude. But the key is we got to keep climbing up the rankings. That's so. true. That's what we need you guys for. Yeah. Keep showing love. Keep showing love. But um, with that, do you have any uh, concluding remarks for this podcast? No. No, I think this is this was a good one. I think um, it was too. Like we said, we're probably going to take about a three-week hiatus over winter break. Um, we'll probably – I mean, we might do a real quick episode before uh, – I don't know, before maybe the Butler game or That's after the Butler thinking. game, something yeah. like that. Um, but our next, you know, prime episode um, will be our player interview, probably in about the first or second week after we get back and mm-hmm. classes resume for the spring semester. It's going to be a great interview. We got a lot of fun stuff planned. Thankfully, it actually got bumped back. It yeah. would have been. It would have taken. Yeah, you'll see. In hindsight, you guys will realize too that. 
<laughs> it would have been a woo, it would have been a doozy if we did it this week. Even if it wasn't this player though, it would have just had generally like a negative vibe oh, around yeah. the interview because this game is just hanging over it. Like, it would have been hanging over the interview like a negative presence. Yeah, totally. So, it, and we want our first interview to be really positive, really fun, and we want it to be fun not only for us, for you guys, but also for the player. So it'll help establish a little bit of a relationship in that sense um, with the team. So hopefully everything works out. We'll keep you guys posted. Yeah, definitely. But thanks again for tuning in. And um, have a very, very happy holiday season. Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, and all that fun stuff to everyone listening. Absolutely. Stay safe. Stay and, warm. And Hoya Saxa.